Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about the interesting twists and turns that we all can kind of go through in the formation of our faith, Mm -hmm. how we end up believing what we believe and landing in a faith community that we actually land in, what got us there, and what are the things that continue to be processed in our journey of figuring that out yeah the driving questions and yeah because we have a lot of people you know this has been a topic over the last Mm -hmm. year of these of these high visibility christians church leaders who said i'm tapping out i don't believe anymore you know they're going through that even at that point and so i'm 59 and you're Mm -hmm. 25 Mm -hmm. and we you know you never stop having these curves in the road that make you rethink what you believe about God and how to engage with God. So we're going to just talk about that. Yeah. How's that for focused and clear? (laughs) (laughs) It's par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before that, it is Joker story time and you're up this week. I am. And so uh, in, in uh, honor of the topic today, uh, I'll talk a little bit about my stories about my dad and his um, one of his, his premier obstacle to faith in his life. So my dad's mom, my grandmother, Lockett Ziegler. Ziegler. Lockett Ziegler. Last in line in school her whole life. I can well, imagine. no, because she married into Ziegler okay. after my dad's dad died. Okay. <clears throat> now, Lockett was an ordained Assembly of God minister. And really? N- nuttier <laughs> than a Three dollar bill. I don't know what nutty bar. Nuttier than a nutty bar. Nuttier than a baby Ruth. That's the best nut bar. If you payday and baby Ruth, payday's got the most nuts. Oh man, good stuff. But uh, she was she was probably certifiably crazy. Really? Yeah. So my dad would get in trouble at school, and he would come home, you know, and the principal had called, and she would lay him on the dining room table and pretend to crucify him. And make him lay there for an hour, telling him that she was crucifying his flesh. Oh, my goodness. And so, as you can imagine, my dad had, you know. A little bit of baggage. Tiny interest in church. (laughs) He believed in God. This is the interesting thing. My dad had a a real belief in God. He had bags of issues. My uh, My dad, so just to be clear, my dad died when I was 16. The best friend I've ever had to this day. um, And an habitual adulterer. Mm-hmm. and um, battled alcohol, but my best friend, everybody loved him, I, you know, big, big part of my life. So mm-hmm. you have this weird issue where uh, he had that at home, but he still believed in God, but he couldn't live for God. He had all these sin management issues, yeah, and so I think that was a factor, but he wanted his kids to believe in God. So when we were little, we had to go to church. They -hmm. would not take us, and they would not go with (laughs) us, but we had to go to church. So that meant in Texas, we went to the churches, you know, the closest church to our house, where they're they're everywhere. So that meant we either went to a Baptist or a Methodist church, because they were close by, and the Baptists always had a bus ministry. And you had one on each block next to you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I went to a Baptist church, and then the rule was when you turn 12, you can quit going if you want to quit. 
that's when you're old enough to decide. And on our 12th birthday, every one of us tapped out. Interesting. Yeah. So my dad wanted us to believe in God. He would say he believed in God. He had a pretty dramatic faith conversion experience um, the day he found out he had cancer. It's a really cool, amazing story. I'll save that for another time. But yeah. um, these were complexities in his journey. Meanwhile, my mom, um, her dad was shot to death in front of her when she was 11. And her mom became this, uh, her mom was shot as well, but survived. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kind of fell off, uh, understandably so, fell off the deep end. Uh, You're her mom's mom. You yeah, yeah. Really struggled with alcohol, um, got pregnant by who knows who. You've talked about her. What's her name again? Annie May. Annie May. Annie May Bursby. One of my favorite people in the history of the world. Always had a big chaw of tobacco in her cheek. Just a great lady. And uh, so my mom comes out of that. And so she's got her own, you know, where is God when that's going on? So um, out of that emerges our family spiritual journey, which has obviously twists and turns. Yeah. So uh, I thought, so that's my dad's story you know crucified his flesh on the dining room table it really solved all his problems yeah no kidding <laughs> that's uh, a, a real cure-all for all of his yeah, behavioral problems yeah yeah I, i'm shocked the coincidence uh, uh ordained ag pastor two generations later a less nutty ordained ag pastor perhaps less nutty <laughs> hopefully the, i was the, never crucified the on nutty, the dining room table well, that's true you were not and but the nutty guy's the last one to know how nutty he actually is uh, yeah that's true so i will take your word for that <laughs> all right let's dive in we have a guest today uh really excited about this because uh, i met our guest just last week and we had our first conversation together i had a blast so i said we got to get this guy on our show so uh jonathan corcoran is a young man uh how old are you jonathan uh, i am 41 gonna be 42 on the 17th Ooh, nice Ooh, 42 at least you, you made it over the 40 it's not 42 is little right that's done not even a big deal that's true I'm it's, a, it's a low <laughs> yeah. number i think i have some socks older than that so uh jonathan shares with our jonathan no h in the john so that's kind of cool so we got john and john so it's Upstream with Jim and John and John. Yeah, today. or John and Jim and John. John and Jim and John. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, the reason I wanted uh, you on this episode, John, is because uh, you have a really interesting journey of your own faith development. And so what I want to do is kind of have us uh, provide color commentary to your journey. Good. And, uh, <laughs> and kind of see where those twists and turns were and, and – um, what the triggers were or what the processes were that kind of led your journey. Am I making sense, John? Yeah, yeah. We'll be the the Joe Buck and the uh, – what's the other guy's name? Troy Aikman. Tro- uh, Troy Aikman. I get to be Troy. <laughs> I want to be Troy. No, you're the nerd. You're Joe Buck. Joe I'm, Buck has never played a sport in his life. He's smart, though. <laughs> yes, that's you. I'm, and I'm the I'm job. I'm puffy-faced and big and sweaty. And I'm, Oh, no, I'm, no. I'm Troy Aikman is – man, if you could have his body at his age, you would still take it. Of course I would. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I want to be Troy Eggman. Yeah, well, you're Joe Buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to commentate. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I have nothing to add to the sports analogies. <laughs> okay, so uh, how do I distinguish when I say, hey, John, which one of you I'm talking to? You can see my face, so I'll just, let's, you know. I'll take I'll take the junior card. You can call me. Junior? <laughs> call me junior. Oh, man. I'm going to call you Joe Buck. Uh, I'll take Aikman, please. Just call me Troy. Okay, I'll call you Troy. And this was your last podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I closed it down. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, John, you've been you've been 
uh, in an, an AG church, a similar God. You've been in a Foursquare church. You were for a while Presbyterian, I think. Yep. And now you're a Catholic. Yep. I just love Finally, that. I came I, home. <laughs> <laughs> I crossed the Tiber. Yeah, yeah. You crossed the what? I crossed the Tiber. It's the uh, river that is out in front of Rome. So when oh. people... Um, you have to cross that to get to the Vatican? Yeah. Well, no, just to get into Rome. So it's kind of like an old thing that people would say that if you become Catholic, you've crossed the Tiber. Really? Interesting. Yeah. See, us Protestants don't have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't either about four and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a Catholic for four and a half or yeah. five years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, so... So it was the, the Trump presidency really pushed you over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it we turned talk Catholic, about, it turned a lot of people if we into wanna, other things. If we want to talk about Catholic politics, that's a whole other interesting topic. It really is a yeah. fascinating yeah. topic. Yeah. But maybe that'll be round two. We'll, yeah. We'll see yeah. that for later. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to go deep here. So give us uh, just some, maybe start when your spiritual journey got real. Because you, yeah. you were a knucklehead kid. Yep. You were causing problems, get kicked out of school. Yep. You were the life of the party, laughter, yep. nothing serious. Yeah. Which I can't even imagine because you're such a serious thinker now. Yeah. So what got you to start thinking seriously about God? Oh, that's a big question. Um so I would say, because the journey could pick up in lots of places, because I think now in retrospect, I can look back and find serious places that happened at different times. Sure. Um, but it probably was, um, while I was at a church in Olympia, um, working at a church in Olympia, that I, I got really serious. And it was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, I want to I want to work in church. I want to be involved in yeah, ministry like, vocationally. Like I don't see my life being about anything else. I want to be exclusively um, doing God's work in the kingdom. Now wait a second. You just jumped from I'm a knucklehead getting kicked out of school to I want to be a pastor. What happened? How was? Where did the steps come? What uh, were the steps? Okay. Well. Okay. Um, you left out a couple of things about the journey though. Okay. Uh, Cause it wasn't just, it wasn't just AG. I can pin this on my mom and dad. Um, and now in retrospect, this is just wild. We were part of a lot of non-denominational churches growing oh, okay. up. Um, uh, we actually met in a Masonic lodge, mm-hmm. a church, a church plant. Um, so that, <laughs> I don't know. That, that was kind of an interesting time. More context. Um, your dad was a Freemason. My dad was a Freemason. Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Must be an AG thing. Or a, or yeah. Well, <laughs> definitely not a Catholic thing. Yeah. Nor. No, yeah. Nor an yeah. AG yeah, thing, yeah. Yeah. No. But um, so I grew up going to church all the time. I mean, my dad's thing was like, it doesn't matter if you're sick, if you're dying, like the place to go is to be a church. Right. And so. Um, even after my parents divorced, um, that was still something that was just non-negotiable. Didn't matter what was happening in your life, how, how close you felt or what you thought you're going to be in church on Sunday. Now we're sticking these demarcations in the ground and one of them is the divorce. So you're 11, yeah. I think, right? At yeah. 10, 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at 10 years old, this happens. And mm-hmm. this to this day is a pretty formational thing for you. Oh. It's a yeah. big issue. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 I think it, that the divorce is one of those things that I look back on now, and you know, it's been thirty years, thirty plus years, and I still see it as being this, um, as you'd say, like a Felix culpa. It's like this blessed fault. Okay, it, hang it, on. He, he's going to pull all this Catholic stuff <laughs> on us. We're not going to know what in the world he's talking about. What's a Felix culpa? So it's like a blessed fault. So it, I know a mea culpa. Yeah, so that's my fault. Yeah. So a Felix culpa would be like a, um, I think it was St. Augustine that um, used it. And the Felix culpa is actually sung uh, when the Easter vigil is going to begin. Hmm. Um, 
And it's recounting salvation history about the fall of Adam and Eve. And so it goes back to this idea that like, in what way would we have known Christ without this fault? And, right. and in some ways it's a mystery. And I, and I guess I'd like to use the word mystery more because it's been important to me. And mystery in a Catholic sense is something that you can know, but you can't exhaust. Right. Hmm. So something that, you know, I can't fully ever wrap my arms around, but that doesn't diminish my knowing of it. Sure. You know, um, yeah, it actually makes it more beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and lifelong. Yes. And so in the, in the sense of divorce, I mean, is that something that I would ever want to wish upon anyone? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Is it something that I could but imagine? It's a Felix Culpa. Yeah. Right. I learned a new thing. Yeah. Like it's not something that I can't imagine my life without it. Yeah. Um, and it really, uh, I mean, it really shaped a large trajectory of my life. And I think that was partly, uh, some of my trouble with school is that like, I deeply wanted things to be serious. And I asked questions that were considered smart aleck questions, but, but they, they were, were genuine to you, but they were really coming from a place of like, I actually don't understand what you're saying. And I mean, it didn't matter whether it was algebra or whether it was reading something in literature. I mean, I just didn't understand. So, um, and I just kept asking questions until it was like, Mr. Corcoran, I just don't think you're ready for this. You can go to the office. <laughs> so I spent, um, Mr. Corcoran. Yeah. And they call a 10 year old, Mr. Corcoran, yeah. you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. You need to go to the office. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was pretty much like that throughout all of my schooling. It was just, I spent a lot of time in the okay, office. Okay. So when you said you were working at a church, how yeah. old were you when you were working at a church? Um, so from about 18 to 21. Okay. And, and that's kind of like the Anthem kind of program. Yeah. It's a yeah, so it was master's called, commission yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you're doing that 18 to 21, you're yep. hanging out at the church full time yep. and you say, now this is it, man. I want to do yep. this for my life. Yep. Yep. But and I was, you were thinking doing it in this charismatic church kind of way. Well, yeah. And actually this is where Evergreen plays an interesting part in this is because I had gone to youth group um, right after I had made this huge decision my senior year that I was going to serve the Lord because I, I had gotten into a bunch of trouble. And, you know, that was a time that I'd really put back and say, you know, like, I made some sort of fundamental act of the will to be like, I can't turn back anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's no wagon to fall off of. Like, the wagon's gone. Either I'm <laughs> like... There's just no turning back. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm burning the ships. I mean, as much as a 17 year old can burn ships. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, actually they're good at burning things down, but, um, but not on purpose. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. 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 G- generally not on purpose. Did I do that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally that. Um, so, um, yeah, I ended up, um, working at living water and in that program. Um, uh, but I was still asking a lot of questions. Like I, 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 and I'm sure, and I know I was the biggest pain because my questions were a lot of times relating back to like the essence of the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was reading a lot of books about what, what the church was and, um, you know, I'd go back to Amy Simple McPherson, you know, yeah. you, you go back to the Azusa street revivals and it's like, oh, okay. So like, we're not doing that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we should be, and we shouldn't be self-promoting ourselves and we shouldn't be this and that. And you know, so I had a lot of, um, you had a lot of raw idealism. Oh, just, it, it was it just, just was getting violated all the time. It was leaking out my ears yeah. <laughs> and I was massively hypocritical. Now I mean, let's pause right here. Have you ever had an idealistic collision, uh, Troy with the church? <laughs> <laughs> I will, well, we go back to school. He called me John L or something like that. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Idealistic collisions. Like, well, he's having a crisis because he's he's seeing this beautiful idea of the church, 
but he's not seeing it practiced where he's living. So he's having a collision with this. Is this really how it ought to be? Is this what church is? Yeah. Have you ever had a collision in your faith journey where you questioned, are we doing this right? Or uh, are these leaders actually right? You know, have you had those kind of collisions or, or some idealistic thing about what a Christian ought to be, but I don't see many of them around me, that kind of thing. A lot of that, um, more with uh, a lot of like scripture, like this is a, a Christian does this. And you see like, you see like the, the heroes, you see like, you know, Paul and, and the, the apostles in the, the early church, yeah. just like, you know, doing justice league stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, my, sh- my shadow comes across a dude and he can get he, up and walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, I've been in the church a long time. And I haven't seen any, any of, of this stuff. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, you know, uh, was, was tough for a while with the church. I think I might be, um, I don't consider myself pessimistic normally, but with stuff like this, I kind of go, well, we as people generally suck at basically everything. So it's like, so it doesn't so, surprise you that the church also right. sucks because it's made up of people. Right. So if I was more of a, if I was more, uh, I would say useful, I would shake my fist and go, well, what can we do about this? What, what's the real yeah. answer here? So generally I think I can, but your apathy overwhelms easy. you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think I think that's a good thing because our modern society is prone to activism, mm-hmm. and so the impulse to desire to change things. Yeah, and I think for me it was really negative. Um, and and I think I had a lot of spiritual fathers and a lot of good people that I mean prayed for me and helped me in ways that I was not appreciative of at all. Yeah. And so that's that's mea culpa, like massively right. pound my chest for that. I mean, I. Um, I owe so much of my early spiritual formation to what I did at living water. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're having this collision about, is this really what the church is supposed to be? That's this sends you on a journey of maybe I should explore other expressions of the church. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had this strong call to move to Norway and <laughs> it could happen. I, hey, I've got the Norway bug before too. <laughs> I'm serious. Every every year, seriously, a Norway seriously, bug? No every, way. Every year in Do the dog days of summer, about August, it's 90 almost every day. And you want to go to Norway? And I go. This never happens in Norway. And I want to go to Norway. I don't think that's what was going on with you. No, 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 no. I, I, I have had this desire to go to hard places, and um, so at the time. Uh, we had taken a few trips to Norway and living water has some relationships in Norway and the national four square church there. Um, so and, you'd gone there, you'd been exposed yeah, to the culture, yeah. the really the tough terrain for the yeah, gospel. Yep. And it, it's almost entirely atheist, isn't it? Or, well, um, yeah, it's a whole nother philosophical conversation about, is oh, there okay. such a thing as a true atheist? It is my opinion that there is not. That there are just well, just it, really. I'm just off. talking. What would they answer on a quiz? That's all so, I'm saying. So <laughs> on a quiz, what are they checking? On a quiz, it would be Lutheran. Okay. Got yeah. It, oh, really? It, because there's a state church system there, which takes us to like the Reformation. Which I mean, we could talk about that later if we need to. But yeah, that's, um, that's episode three. Don't. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can go there if we need yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So you've had this exposure to Norway. Yeah. You fell in love with the place. You yeah. fell in love with the the cultural challenges yeah. of the gospel you wanted to see norway transformed yeah i mean we were gonna, and i want to be a part of it i, I want to shed my blood i'm gonna go plant churches on norway i mean my whole focus was plant churches plant churches plant churches mm. and so um i get there and i like you actually moved there? oh yeah 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 so i felt like really? god told me to go in may raise the money and left in like august <laughs> and you're and you're 21 
Um, I'm 20. 20. Yeah, 20, 21. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a lot of money when you're 20. Nope. You can I'm, camp out. You can eat. Fish. Well, they had a whole system for me to kind of dive into. right into. And so they people, have a mechanism and you just go. They were so gracious. Like the most gracious people I've ever. What'd your dad say when you said, I'm going to Norway? My dad was like, oh, of course you are. Like, <laughs> I mean, at least you're not going to be around here anymore. Right. No, no, no. Uh, no um, I'll buy your ticket. Yeah. How well, much money do you need to yeah, raise? Yeah, like, Fine. <laughs> I'll give you 50 bucks a month yeah, for that. Yeah. No, he. um he, my family, the church community was crazy supportive. And I mean, I mean, I think because they did genuinely see like, like this is something that he's fired up about. Like the Lord spoke to him, you know, Genesis 12, one was my thing, you know, like leave your country and um, okay, I'll leave my country. Okay. Now I'm going to pick up the pace here because yeah, I want to really get to the Catholic thing. Yep. So you go to Norway. Yeah. My soul is crushed there, by the way. Oh, well, I'm, that's what I want to hear about. Yeah. What, like, give me, give me the synopsis of how you would say this was Norway for me. Okay. So this is Norway for me. Um, I think I'm amazing. I'm in a culture in America <laughs> that is and and a church culture that is congratulatory, that yeah, is encouraging. Affirming. That's just yeah. like, Oh man, I just love what God's doing in your life. And, and then I get to Norway and they're like, you're just like everybody else. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> like, like that's what I'm thinking in my heart. And I went through this. What do you mean? What do they mean? You're like everybody else. Okay. Well, this is an inch. And now this was like almost 20 years ago now. Right. Which yeah. is kind of weird to say, but, um, at the time the culture could have changed, but, but the culture is like good example. Hillary Clinton, uh, wanted to go to dinner at a downtown restaurant. So she had one of her aides call up and say, Hey, you know, in Norway. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, so this is back in the day. I think president sure. Bill Clinton was still a president. And so they called up and said, Hey, you know, we need some room at your restaurant. And they said, um, well, it's full. And they're like, yeah, but like the (laughs) first lady wants, and and they're like, yeah, people have already reserved places. We're not going to kick him out, (laughs) but, but like, we've got room for you in two days. (laughs) And they were kind of like, um, okay, I guess we'll take it kind of like, you know, but so they don't hero worship in the way that we do, or the sort of cult of personality is not. Uh, and, and there's lots of cultural reasons for that. So you but, slammed into this all of a sudden, hey, oh, I, I, maybe I'm not special. I went from the most affirming community you could find to like, and it wasn't that they were being mean. I mean, but it was just crushing. Yeah. And it was, and like dark. I mean, I think somebody would have said I was clinically depressed probably. Yeah. Um, How long were you there? I, I was just there for, there, for like a year, mm-hmm. but I didn't really have any end date, but it was during that time that I connected with my then to be wife and we had known each other from youth group and so on and so forth, but she was also in Norway. No. Mm-mm. Oh, no, okay. So while you're there, here. we you're, connected you're, over emails. Yeah. You're typing up tearful. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. Correspondence. Tears hitting the keyboard. Oh man. <laughs> just like afraid to tell her that I loved her because you know, I don't know. I just didn't want to commit. And okay. So you bail out on Norway. Yep. You come home yep. now. Now you don't know which way's up. And what am I actually going to do in my life? <laughs> I sound kind of crazy saying this, but I had always had this dream to go to Alaska and plant churches. I'm all over the place. Yeah, so Norway. Man. Norway and Alaska. I'm always about Alaska. He too. loves Alaska. Okay. Loves Alaska. He's a big. Went there for and not just Alaska. Sitka. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm sticking in Southeast Alaska. No, I want Sitka. No, I want the little peninsula. It's Didn't a lot you like see here, the proposal? Sitka. Well, I saw the proposal. That was. It wasn't Sitka. Sandra Bullock. She just. <laughs> they they ruined the whole thing and they went to Maine or something. I know they did. But like, it still on. was beautiful. It made oh, yeah. me want to go to Sitka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked to people who live there and who love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So we so we get married and then a month later moved to Alaska. We, we went to Sitka and I went to Sheldon Jackson College to get my teaching degree so that I could. 
earn a living while you plant churches. Yep. Because I was, I had had this conviction that I need to be bivocational yeah. and, and uh, my understanding of vocation has changed radically. But at the time that's what I would have said. Yeah. yeah I like the word co-vocational. Co-vocational is mm-hmm. nice. I like that better. Yeah. Bivocational bifurcates your whole life and yep. your whole life is God's. Yep. Yep. There's no such thing as sacred and yep. secular work. There's just yeah. everything's sacred yeah. to, to us. So uh, I like co-vocational anyway. So you go to Alaska, you go to college, you get your degree. Yep. Uh, you're engaged in a church there, which is of what flavor? Um, the Assemblies of God. Okay. Yep. And so we, I decided that we should probably be Assemblies of God pastors there. So I was going through that process to, oh, be, to get credentialed. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, um, but then I was exposed to people from outside the Pentecostal church mm-hmm. and, uh, that, and I had never really ever had any kind of genuine relationship with somebody from a different Christian tradition that was actually like, yeah, you might've, you might've mm. thought nobody else is serious except, I mean, guys. I thought they were all dead, frozen, chosen. Yeah. yeah. Dead or in a door now. Okay. New question. Was your, was your bride on this same pace of journey as you? Or she's just kind of watching from the cheap seats. No, I mean, we have both really been all in or tried to be all in. So, I mean, in terms of... So, in her in terms of her commitment to God and saying, hey, yeah. whatever it looks like, I, I'm trying to figure that out yeah. too, but I'm all in on yeah. whatever that... When we figure yeah. out what it is, I'm in. And so, at this point in our journey coming up to Alaska, I mean, we were very much kind of how we were raised. I mean, I mean yeah. it was we were Pentecostal, um, uh, yeah. And so there hadn't really been any big collision except for the fact that we were now exposed to all these people that had some sort of tradition. So they were referencing things like confessions or they were referencing or even singing hymns that were older. And I thought, man, I, all I can think of is Jehovah Jireh and they're (laughs) busting out like, you know, beat out my vision. And I'm like, love that song. Yeah. Right. You know, and I'm like, uh, I feel like I'm gypped a little bit. Like what the heck happened? I got robbed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, dad. (laughs) (laughs) okay pause here what do you thinking so far john uh john l john yeah thank you no that's nerdy i was gonna say it sounded like superman kal l i was like i'll take i'll take john l that sounds cool (laughs) um i just uh uh impressed i'm not going anywhere man i don't want to move like I, i have these daydreams but I'm at 20. I'm not leaving the. I'm not moving to Norway. That's crazy. <laughs> so I got. I got a lot of respect, even though you. You know, I don't. I don't think. Even though you didn't know your butt from a hole in the ground. Right. That's true. We really admire the you. Courage. I thought it's I about did. The courage. Yeah. 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 Foolishness, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, so you go to Alaska and you're there for how many years? I'm there for four years. And then you have a you have a critical moment mm-hmm. where you say, "I'm tapping out on the AG." Was it about your your credential interviewing process or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sort of a funny experience. I went to the pastor um, who was a regional overseer. Yeah, and and I said, "Hey, so you know, I've been really thinking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. I've been thinking, you know." Um, it also says in scripture that, you know, the spirit gives gifts to whom he will. So it seems like probably not accurate for me to say that everybody should have tongues, like, tongues or everybody should have X, Y, or Z. Right. Mm-hmm. And I barely even got it out. And he goes, okay, don't say that when you go to Juno, like <laughs> when you go to the interview. Yeah, yeah. 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 You can think that and you can be working that out with the Lord, but don't say that. And that, and that and that's not like, something you can handle. No. Well, and, and that by itself didn't push me off because pastor bill, I think was the first person that like knew me as an adult man yeah. Yeah. and didn't know me from the past. Right. And so sure. he had such a special place. And I mean, still does have a special place in my life. 
Um, but I was around other people that had been to seminary and I had always grown up Pentecostal thinking that like, I'd be a sellout if I went to college. Um, the gods <laughs> called me, he's going to equip me going, going to college. Let's take it into your own hands. Oh, well, or it's, it's in God's hands. I don't need to do anything to manufacture this business. Yeah. Like it, you know, I can read scripture. I got scripture. I can, you I've know, got the Holy spirit. I got the Bible. What else does a guy need? If you're going to teach me stuff, you're going to, you're going to teach me right out of my faith. Yeah. Get me. So it's like, I just thought, okay. Very prideful of me though. So, uh, <laughs> you ended up graduating with a teaching degree. Yep. Then you ended up doing another, a master's. Yeah. 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 Which was later we moved back down from Alaska so that I could go to seminary and you went to seminary. Was it a Catholic seminary? I did not go to seminary though. So oh. that, I think maybe we didn't talk about that. We probably didn't. Yeah. I had a Pentecostal pastor sit down with me and said, no, you don't want to go to seminary because I've seen a lot of Pentecostal boys go off to church or they go off to seminary and they come back not believing the gifts. Yeah. And, you know, and then I'm thinking to myself, but you went to seminary. Like, <laughs> right. You know, and, and I had respected the folks that I had known, even if I disagreed with their theological positions, I loved how they were able to traverse more ground than yeah. I was capable of. Yeah. Um, and I wanted that. So we moved back down to go to seminary so I could go to seminary and then go back to Alaska. Okay. And I went and visited a whole handful of seminaries. And I remember, I and I think I told you this story the last time that I was sitting down with somebody in a systematic theology class, kind of checking it out. And I leaned over, I said, Hey, so, uh, who's, you know, who's systematic theology are you studying? Like from what tradition? And he goes, uh, the Christian one. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, right. But like, are you like reformed or you, you know? And I just, and he's like, um, no, it's Christian. And I was like, oh, I'm out of that. Like, yeah. I don't want, so in some ways things were getting more complicated because I was seeing that like, there's this, there's this, there, there's this gap that I don't have. And it's hard to find a Pentecostal who cares about that. Right. Or who's going to spend some time and energy thinking critically. Yeah. I ran to that wall myself as well. Now, pause here, John. Mm -hmm. You go to Northwest University. Your only pastor you've ever had was me. Yeah. Uh, Poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Turned out all right. You got exposure to a whole campus full of people who have their own sense of what it is to be a Christian, what church is like, what worship should be like. Did all that just smoothly flow or you saw gaps but weren't tripped up by them or what what was your what well, was your deal there i'm the guy who other john sits next to and says what christian does not go? <laughs> the christian one <laughs> that's me so <laughs> we i show up yeah and uh, one of my buddies on the dorm asks me or he's he's going to be a, a he's trying to be a pastor learn uh he's a um ministry student and he says, you know, we're talking about what it takes to lose your salvation. And that phrase, salvation as a noun like that, as what he meant, the the word, the proper noun, I had never even heard in that way before. I didn't know really what he meant. He meant, do you go to heaven or not? And I'd never heard it like that. So a bunch of these phrases, mm-hmm. salvation, uh, uh, reformed, Pentecostal, a lot of these things I had never even, I'd yeah. never heard. Mm-hmm. So um, that was bizarre. And uh, you're an Assemblies of God pastor, but... All of your churches have been uh, less Pentecostal than the Assemblies of God mm-hmm. is on average, I'd imagine, or at least as their their um, code of ethics or yeah. code of uh, beliefs, statements of beliefs. So a lot of that stuff, like we had a guy come in talking about how he was driving and he got cut off and a spirit of anger entered him. 
and he had road rage. Like there we had go. like we had like way, I hate it when that happens. I know. <laughs> exactly. I try not to drive. Yeah. 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 That's why I let the, the Lord just take the wheel on just, yeah. Jesus take the wheel. Yeah. yeah. So there was some crazy uh, guest speakers would come in and I got exposure to traditions that way. Um a, a guy, what's that? Uh, and again, I'm just going to show my ignorance, but the it's a tradition that's like basically uh, Lutheran Catholic. It's a um, Anglican. They, Anglican. Yeah, they wear the collars. They, they, yeah, Episcopal. You know, yeah, yeah. And so uh, one pastor was really, really into Anglicanism. Probably was Anglican, but you can't always you can't really talk about you it. Can't like say that, it out loud. That openly, yeah. right? Yeah. At, at an AG school, right? <laughs> and but he had an Anglican uh, pastor come and and he uh, spoke at chapel and then he spoke in this guy's class. Yeah. So there was a lot of exposure that I didn't have and. I've talked about this a bit, but I was like, and this is, you, you won't like this, but I was like biblically illiterate before Northwest. Like yeah. I never read on my own um, time. So uh, uh, I credit Northwest with a lot of that, with kind of um, uh, knowing what I. Stirring you know your now. hunger there. Yeah. About yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, um, huge amounts of growth, but it is more homogenous than you'd think. Even the student body, which is as is pretty split up, the the minority of the student bodies assemblies of God. Yeah. But there's not a ton of um, really in depth theological conversations you do with your peers there. Right. I would say. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take our yeah. break, and uh, it's it's uh, we've traded the segment uh, show and tell mm-hmm. for. Book review, book review, or book show and tell. If you're reading it now, or if you're, or if you've read it in the past, or, or yeah. And um, we decided we're going to give you, John Corcoran, <laughs> the uh, the the book segment. So tell us about a book you either are reading or have read that you would say I think everybody ought to read this book. Okay, so uh, thank you. By the way, I'm really excited about this. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's a book that I've read. I've caveat i've listened to it four times okay and i just ordered the print copy because i feel like there's something i'm missing by just listening yeah yeah sure the title is laris and it's by a how do you spell that l-a-u-r-a-s what does that mean uh laris is someone's name oh yeah and um this book is by a eugene with a last name russian some Russian last name that <laughs> okay. I can't pronounce. Okay. Um, I probably should have just brought the book in cause I think it's in my car, but the book is amazing because it's broken into four parts and it begins by, it begins by acknowledging something that I think is really real. That's difficult to put your finger on. And that is that how is it that you can look back at your life sometimes and see that there are almost different people living parts of a life, but you're the same person, mm-hmm. you know, you can look back and see, gosh, when I was first married, I was so in this certain kind of, you know, thing. And then now I look at my life now and it's like, wow, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like a different person, but I'm still the same person. So this story follows, um, in uh, 15th century Russia in a peasant village where the black plague is spreading. And it's a, it's a, uh, it's, um, it's not fiction. It is fiction. Oh, it is fiction. Yeah. But it's, it's wild. And the book ends in this, incredibly beautiful example of humility and forgiveness um, that's really transcendent and but it's, it's not but it's not um, but it's not flowery yeah Loris L- Loris yes Loris yeah. and uh, any idea how many pages that is I think it's about 400 okay yeah yeah does this uh, pique your interest here John yeah I'm all about it because uh, you're reading a book right now that's kind of uh, similar similar yeah, similar kind of literary fiction, historical fiction nice. kind of stuff. But uh, 
Um, it's added to a long list. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's do our commercial break, and we will be right back to right. finish the conversation. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Welcome back. And uh, thank you all for listening. We are grateful. Very and this grateful. is episode 98. Eight. 98. Yeah. Episode 98. Thanks for being here with us. We are really grateful. Awesome. So other John, we're, uh, <laughs> we're in chapter 10. Maybe. Maybe. Depends on how long the chapters are. Subchapters. This know. guy writes long chapters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what is the, uh, at this point we're, we're, we're in, in the, in your, your life quite a ways. What are the questions, the burning unanswered questions, or, I mean, you've had questions your whole life. What are you still, uh, thinking of every night before you go to bed and where does that kind of take you closer to where you are now? Yeah. So I think that the connection of discovering that there's this thing that's traditions and that traditions mm-hmm. aren't bad. I always grew up with like well, the traditions of man, so we should always be doing something new, be looking for what the, is new is happening all the time. Mm-hmm. That I started to see where like, actually a tradition is something that's like been handed on to you. That's something you've received from someone else. And I started to look at, and the question that had always popped up was like, well, then what is the church for? Mm. We say that we're not the building, but then we spend all this time at the building. <laughs> sure. And we spend all this money at the building for the building, you know, so just this, and our entire goal is to get more people, more people to come to the building, even though we say it's not. And we all kind of feel bad about that, but you know, like what is the church really for? And so I, um, then you're going to, I'm supposed to be a pastor. So right. I should figure this out. If I'm going to be a pastor, I should figure out what it is I'm supposed to be leading. Yeah. And what is the nature of that thing yes. and what is its mission? Yes, huge amounts of cognitive dissonance. And so I started to get in kind of deep to the whole, um, it, it, it was it was when the missional church yeah. stuff became kind of big. And so I started reading into that, which had a discovery of the Trinity and actually some tradition in the Reformed tradition that was um, something that was really alluring to me. Um, and so that- So question, have you seen that movie, That Thing You Do? No. Oh, you got to watch it. Okay. It's about this uh, one-hit wonder band, um, and uh, the lead singer is this idealistic guy. And my favorite line is because he storms out of the room, and one of the guys says, there he goes off to his room to hit that new hit song, All Alone With My Principles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is where this kind of feels like uh, you. this is where you kind of unplug from the church. Yeah. And just go on a journey just to read and think yeah. while you uh, suck from the teat of a Presbyterian church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they were more than gracious. Like, they should have probably just said, John, you're not really serious about this, are you? Yeah. And I've been like, well, mm-hmm. yes, I am. And then I would have given them something. And they'd be like, 
No, I don't think so. Um, so during that time, you're just reading and thinking yeah. and wrestling. Planning on how to build a church. I mean, I was still, and, and I was teaching at the time, so there's always this thing of like, well, I've got some kids now. I didn't go to seminary. Because you teach middle school. Uh, yes, and at the time I was teaching at a primary school um, in in um, Shelton. And so it was, you know, um, oh gosh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's like I, I had all this hope and ambition to do this thing, and that thing isn't happening, and it's kind of my fault. I mean... Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where I settled in. And there's too much, there's too much to tell here, except for the fact that in the middle of all this, I became really convinced that, well, God knows everything that I'm thinking. So why would I pray? I've already read the scriptures numbers of time through all the time. So I've hid God's word in my heart. Check, check, check. Like I could probably do what the pastor's doing. You know, you know, I'm thinking these things, pretty arrogant, prideful things to be thinking, but you know, I'm basically just um, making excuses for where I'm at because I just feel stuck, like just profoundly stuck. Yeah. That period lasts how long? Longer than I'd like to admit, probably like seven years. Okay. And in there, you have a collision with your wife's health. Yeah. So my wife um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and she's still alive and it's one of the only kind of pancreatic cancers that you can have that when they remove it. I didn't um, even know there was one yeah, of those because yeah. that's a death sentence yeah. normally. Yeah. So she really reverted back to, I think a good place um, because she, you know, she was always more prayerful than me um, during this season. And I was just kind of the intellectual sort of Christian zombie guy who <laughs> could give you the right answer, but mm-hmm. there was just no, there was no Engagement. life. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so that was a really, massively uh, formational thing. Um, Now, did that draw you to God or make you, was there any kind of emotional reaction about God himself that this would, that this would be allowed to happen to your wife? No, see for me, and and this could go back to the divorce uh, or, or just, or the my, yes, my um, temperament of like, it'd be silly of me to blame God for anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just not, I, I know that some people wrestle with that, but that's just not been something that I've ever really wrestled with. I've been, I've probably more wrestled with the, um, God is this, uh, sort of, a um, Rene Descartes vision of God. Like God is the geometer who makes everything work mm-hmm. and then sort of steps away mm-hmm. or, or, or is just watching. Yeah. And I, and I've never considered that to be evil. I'm just like, Hey, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I don't understand everything he does. So, yeah. eh. So I did have a, uh, one moment where grace just broke through my heart and it was, um, I was reminded of the conversation that, that God had with Job, Mm. (laughs) like, uh, where were you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, I heard the Holy Spirit say in my, you know, in my heart, did you tell the sun to go up this morning? Yeah. Did you tell the tide to go out? Did you tell it to come back in? And, and there was something about that that was just, um, at the time that really melted a bit of my heart. Um, Mm. and so my wife went through treatment and went through all of that and we had, um, and, and she recovered we ended up moving back into Thurston County, uh, back into my grandparents' house. And it was just an exhausting period. I think I, 
only in retrospect that I realized how dark things were yeah. in my heart. And I was sitting at my table uh, working because I work from home. And I thought I should read a spiritual book. Like that's how I said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I haven't been a part of a tradition, have right, I? Because right. I'm like, oh, I should read a spiritual book. <laughs> and so I had just gotten audible. So I downloaded this book on St. Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote in there from the Catechism of the Catholic Church that said, um, from the prologue that is absolutely beautiful. Um, and I'll just butcher the first part of it. Um, it's that in all times and in all places, God draws close to man. Mm. And I mean, it mm. just, I'm sitting there, it's November. And I just like, I just start bawling my head off. I could not stop. I wow. like, I could not stop. And, and I had this, I don't know what it was. I, I, I mean, I know it was the Lord. I know it was grace, but I, I can't quite name what that thing was. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it, it felt like internally there was this huge dam that just busted loose that I had been so swiftly patching with everything. Um, and, and immediately I had this desire to pray. Mm-hmm. I had this huge desire to pray. And so, um, well, I had this desire to pray. And then also um, I had some pressing questions in my life. Uh, with some family things that were happening and I really wanted to know what the right thing was to do because so you're praying about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm praying about that. And so I start looking back and I say like, I, in my mind, it's been like book of acts happens. Book of acts ends. (laughs) This bad thing happened with this Constantine guy who screwed up everything. He like made the church bad. Yeah. (laughs) And then there was this really bad period that is just dark that nobody knows about. Azusa street happens and we're back on the, you know, and and now we're back on the map. Back in the game. Right. Like Luther tried, but he didn't go far enough. (laughs) Return of the Jedi. Because he's German. (laughs) Germans, we can kind of blame the Germans. And I mean, um, he's brewing beer for crying out loud. I mean, so many things. (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I can appreciate his um oh man, certain parts of Absolutely. his his work I, I I suppose. Okay, now get back on the trail yeah, yeah. here. How say, long was, you said that's a nice can of worms. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> Sorry. Thought that over. <laughs> no, not you him. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was me. So, um uh guilty. So, uh, how long did your wife's cancer battle last? So, um Really, it was like 12 days in the hospital once it was cut out, and then it was about a six-month recovery time. And Mm. then at the end of that six months, she's declared cancer-free. Yeah, yeah. And how far or where was that distancely from this uh, epic moment with St. Francis? That was probably like three or four years later. Really? Yeah. So the cancer wasn't even strong enough to penetrate your heart, concrete heart? No, I... um, the only reason why I bring it up as a part of it is because I was petrified to, I was petrified to tell my wife that I thought she was going to die. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of my journey has been, which is actually why I reached out to you in the first place about when you preached about confession, because I was afraid to say what was actually happening. Yeah. Like I was, I was afraid to acknowledge what was real, what was in front I, of me. If I acknowledge it, it could really get bad. Yeah. And I, it's, I don't know what, like, would she think less of me because, and would she think less of me because I thought she was going to die? Okay. If I think about that rationally, no way. Like, mm-hmm. of course she thought she was going to die. Right. Everybody thought she was going to die. Yeah. Um, and so, 
so that that's also been that theme through my life is that a desire for what is real. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm going to, I'm going to ramp it up, do whatever you need to do. I am. I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to ask you to, uh, to try to, um, identify Mm -hmm. for a listener who's been listening to this whole conversation Mm -hmm. and we haven't even gotten to the place where you said, I think I'm a Catholic. Yeah. Your wife said, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, You're crazy. Yeah. Then she said, okay, let's consider it. Let's just, let's just see where this takes us. Mm -hmm. We haven't even gotten there and that's fascinating all by itself. Yeah. But what we're really trying to help people think through is the journey we're all on, because we all have journeys. And so what's your encouragement to someone who's at, you're in chapter 12 of your story, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they're on chapter five. Yeah. What would be your encouragement to them to think about a handful of things that might uh, help them along this way? Yeah. Uh, Does my question make sense to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I hope I can answer it. Um, what what came to my mind was actually the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And I think I grew up um, identifying with, uh, no, sorry, not the prodigal son, but the good Samaritan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So um, I identify with the good Samaritan, the person that goes and helps the person in the ditch. Yeah. I'm going to go. Like we're called to go out and find those people who are lost and I'll do that. Yeah. All I'm going out and doing that. I think it's important for us to identify with the person in the ditch. Mm-hmm. We are the person in the ditch. The good Samaritan is Christ. Yeah. And we are all guests in the inn. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has given a deposit on our care yeah. while we're here. And he'll pay the bill, whatever it comes he will pay be. the bill. And so, so I say that first to say that, um, your struggles, what, wherever you're at are not opposed to Christ's presence in your life. They're not contrary to his presence in your life. It's not like, Hey, I'm doing good right now. So that means things are good. That means Jesus is near me. Right. Right. <laughs> or, Oh, you know, he was close to sinners. Yeah. And so the more that we identify with the publican who said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, mm-hmm. and not the guy that says, man, I'm so grateful that I'm not there anymore. Yeah. It's like, and, and and it's not actually making up that we're in a bad place. St. John of the Cross, um, who's a um, Carmelite monk, amazing guy, um, said that, you know, when, uh, when you're looking through a piece of glass and you're in the dark, it, it, look, it, it, it looks clear, right? But the more you look at Christ right? The more you notice the little things in the glass, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that it's like that. It's more that as we do turn our gaze towards Christ um, and we say yes, like Mary did, mm-hmm. right? To the invitation of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think the more that we see those things, but, but those little spots we see are not the things um, that should send us into despair, Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the kind of things that should in some ways be proof that Christ is present with us. Yeah. So, so I guess my, it doesn't seem like good advice, but it's like, don't give up the hunt. Yeah. Like it is worth it. Um, you know, the sin of Judas was that like, he didn't actually believe that he would, I mean, Judas repented. He threw the money mm-hmm. down. He threw yeah. the money back. Like he made restitution for what mm-hmm. he had done. Um, well, he couldn't make restitution really, but well, I mean, he gave the money back. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, they tried. They didn't even take it back. They gave no, it they the, wouldn't. Yeah. No, right, right. They wouldn't take it. But he, he, um, yeah, he was remorseful. No he, doubt. He yeah. killed himself in despair. He, yeah. he couldn't accept the fact that there would be forgiveness. Yeah. Um, mm. So I, to me, that's been kind of the theme in my life. Is it like no matter where you're at, gosh, do not give up because the Lord is with you. Um, because in the Lord all is with things you. at all times. Yeah. Is that what you were? Is that yeah. the line? Yeah. In all things at all times. God draws near to man. Yeah. And it's him doing the, the drawing. drawing. Yeah. Um, which is so easy to forget in our, and and I'm going to use this hopefully charitably in our Protestant work ethic that we have here. It's also prideful. Yeah. Uh, because I will be the one who defines my relationship with God and I'll be the one who finds him. Yep. I'm on this quest. I'll be the one who gets it right. Yeah. I'll be the one who conquers my sin. Yeah. I'll be the one who starts to live a great life. Yeah. I'll be the one who finds my way to God. Yeah. And it's actually arrogance and idolatry at the yeah. core, even though it expresses itself a lot of times in absolute despair. Mm-hmm. I'm despairing because I can't do yeah. what I know I should do yeah. for God, yeah. to God, with yeah. God. And it still places us at the center, which makes it idolatry and pride. Yeah. That's so counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, uh, it's the, and it's tough because there's so many pastors. There's the, you must be perfect as your father is perfect. You see that and you're like, well, I guess I was right to whip myself in the back my whole life (laughs) after reading that. Yeah. But it's the, it's thinking that, you know, you mess up again and you go, all right, well, God clearly, you know, isn't happy with this now. Like, like you said, when things are going good or when you're, when you're being a really good boy, you're like, well, he's probably pretty pleased. He's, he's winking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's true. If you're holding that, like you said, you're holding that glass in the darkness. Yeah. That's true. But, yeah. but there's no, there's no extent of good behavior that gets you in yeah. there. Now I want to, I'm having a takeaway for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to share mine. I'd like to hear your takeaway from the whole conversation. Um, my takeaway is that, the 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 journey's always confusing mm-hmm. but the thing that clarifies it for me is that um is the uh, the awareness of my own incapacity my own mm. brokenness so uh, it strikes me that that Jesus is attractive you know when he when he when he goes public and he introduces himself with Isaiah 61 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the captive, sight for the blind. Like, uh, you're only interested in God. You really only qualify for God's nearness if you are poor or sick, mm-hmm. which we are. Yeah. Right. And so our poverty and our sickness is not a wall between us and God. No. It is the draw between yeah. us and God. And um, it it inspires me to never see myself as rich or well, because mm-hmm. the minute I'm rich or well, I no longer qualify for the gospel. I no longer need the physician. And so, so humility, uh, self awareness, and humility seem to be so critical to the journey. Because and that's the thing that's when I hear your story, the thing that's true through the whole thing is this real sense of wanting to know who you are, wanting to know who God is, and wanting to know how this works. Yeah, and that quest 
led you at some points to arrogance. Knowledge puffs yeah. up, love builds up, yep. and you got puffed up with a bunch of books, and, yep. and I know stuff. <laughs> uh, but that that still that churning uh, thing inside you, I just want to know. I just want to know. Yeah. And so I think for me, uh, this inspires me to stay in my awareness of my abject poverty mm-hmm. and my constant need of a redeemer. Uh, that that might be the flashlight that that will always serve me well. Sure. What's your takeaway, John? Um, John L. John L. Thank you. <laughs> Mine's a little, um, maybe more meta would be the word I would say in this conversation of of uh, questions that last decades. And and mm-hmm. um, for me, like I think about this, like looking for a transcendent moment, the moment where you hear that audiobook and you finally. Breakdown, and it's been after you said what seven years? Years, yeah. So, like, you can't make those moments, and Mm-mm. you, if you heard that three years earlier, maybe even a week earlier, yeah, maybe it doesn't maybe do it to just, you what it did, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. it just in one ear out the other. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of that is probably the spirit, but really, you can't make the transcendent moments, and it's really frustrating. So, like you said, you were embarrassed. <laughs> you were embarrassed of the seven years. And I'm embarrassed of really long periods. I'm embarrassed that I was biblically illiterate for 19 years. That's embarrassing. Um, but you can't really regret it because, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, that's just yeah. how it, it's yeah. just how it is. So if you're in the middle of one of these, if you're in the middle of a really dark era like you've had, um, I'd, I would say just don't give up because the moment's coming. That, that moment, keep looking because it's coming. The moment will but, find you because God will find you. Right, and, right. But that's a fascinating thing. I can't create the transcendent moment, but man, I need one. I know. <laughs> it's really, really, yeah, it's tough. And then eventually, it'll just be one. All of mine have been things I've heard a hundred times, yeah. you know, especially growing up in church. All, and of a sudden, then, it, all of a sudden, it speaks to you. It just hits. And then if you try and share the transcendent moment, it'll just crash like waves on a, waves on a rock for whatever you're telling to because they've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, and, just, and they're not having the same transcendent right, moment. And you, you cannot make them have it the same way you couldn't make yourself have it. Yeah. So it really is uh, tough. In, now, this is where things like this, this is where my new friend, Jonathan, would give a commercial for the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because when you understand the liturgy and the history and the and the icons and the stories and the saints and the traditions, they might increase the likelihood of those transcendent moments because you're saturated with a lot of deep, uh, long-lasting life. Mm. So... I do. I don't know if I if I said that in a way that you would say. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. But I think when I think of the Catholic Church, or I think of the Orthodox, the Greek yeah. Orthodox Church, these are the things I am jealous. I never told you this. I should have told this story. <laughs> I I went to a hermitage. Oh, good for uh, three days. Okay, and I took a vow of silence. It was in Missouri, and it was run by Sister Perpetua. Okay, and there was in Missouri, uh, yeah, and there was a group of monks there. It was they owned uh, dozens of acres in the woods, and they had these little Morgan buildings that they had turned into cabins, and they were scattered throughout the woods. And so, you would go to the, your little cabin. It had a, a a single bed and a desk and a bathroom, 
and uh, Sister Perpetua would drop off an ice chest with your meals on it, so you would eat in your room. You could take walks. There are all these white statues. Yeah. My friend was with me. He was in one of his cabins. We had taken this vow of silence, but we would meet in the woods and talk. <laughs> and, and he said he was he was walking, and he's praying. He's sitting out in the woods praying, and he's next to this giant white statue of Jesus. And he says, Lord, is that really what you look like? And he just felt like the Lord said, well, I, I wasn't that white. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this incredible experience because we would go to Vespers yeah. with, the, with the monks and the nuns. Yeah. And um, so I, I, I have had a fascination yeah. with this, even though I have very limited experience. Yeah. And then we had some family members in Sue's family that had become Greek Orthodox. Yeah. So I had a little bit of exposure there. Yeah. But uh, that's what I'm jealous yeah. of is the history and the depth yeah. Uh, um, so anyway, I just gave a. Uh, if you attend Evergreen, I am not mm-hmm. encouraging you to become a Catholic. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and, and um, I mean, I think for me personally, it was that question of what is the church for? Yeah. And then, and then a lot of what you said, but I would say that there are a lot of people who have been um, baptized Catholic that are uh, members of the body of Christ that. Um, are just like everybody else in the sense that we don't realize what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's varying degrees of people's engagement, engagement. with their yeah. faith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, but no, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to be where I'm at and it is really humbling because um, I couldn't really, I couldn't manufacture it and I had tried really hard. Yeah. 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 Um, and I want to finish our episode by saying, first of all, thank you for being our guest. <laughs> yeah, this thank has you been so a blast. Much. Thank you for uh, Troy. Thanks for co-anchoring the episode. <laughs> but I do want to say my last statement, uh, because this is transformational for me, um, is that sin is not a, a uh, state to be punished. It is a disease to be cured. And this mm. is why God is always drawing near to man yeah. because he seeks to cure this disease mm. that continues to plague us. Mm-hmm. And so rather than being uh, uh, an enemy of God who uh, should fear um, his wrath, I should recognize the abject poverty and sickness of my life and yearn for the physician yeah. to come and love and heal me. So, if you're sick and poor, you're in the perfect spot, yeah. and may you trust that God is moving toward you constantly yeah. to heal and love you. Yes. Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, hey, as always, you can check out our website, uh, jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram, Jim and John at Jim and John. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, we've got blogs that we post, and... Uh, Email us, info email us. at jimandjohn.com. We'd love to answer your emails. You can reach us there in the direct messages of our Instagram or the contact form of our website. We'd love to hear from you guys. There you go. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. 